This is Collected Clan, Episode 5. They love you unconditionally. They don't talk back. They don't argue. (laughs) Uh, Mine does. uh, (laughs) Welcome to Collected Clan, the podcast about outstanding people I've met along the way. People with interesting stories, triumphs, ideals. People who've made their mark in the world and in my life. I'm your host, Gregory Byerline. I've met a lot of people over the years and many people come and go. Shakespeare wrote, All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. But these people are the company that you keep. Everyday people just like you and me. Talking tonight with my friend Tanya Willis. Tanya is owner, founder of Agape Animal Rescue. We'll talk a little bit about that and all things dogs. So thank you for chatting tonight, Tanya. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a while since you and I have caught up verbally. Yes. Um, social media stalk each other for everything that we <laughs> post out there, but that doesn't doesn't equate with actually having a conversation. Yes. Um, so here we are having a conversation. Well, I want to introduce listeners to you and also to Agape Animal Rescue. So let's give a, a just a, a brief introduction, who you are and what Agape, what Agape is and why you started it. Absolutely. There's a lot to be said about all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have coffee, so we're, we're here all night. I have coffee too. <laughs> this is perfect. I made sure to get a cup before we started chatting. So I always grew up around dogs and my family. If there was a dog on the side of the road, they would always stop. My parents, you know, they'd pull over the car. We'd get them. We'd take them to the animal shelter. If we didn't take them home, we always would, you know, adopt our dogs from shelters or our cats. So I was never really exposed to the breeder side and puppy mill side of things until later. I just grew up knowing we rescue animals. That's just what we do. But I never, of course, I always knew I would have a dog in my life, but I did not know that I would be rescuing dogs to this level until a little bit later. I was actually a special education major at college and thought that that's what I was going to do. But I moved out to a house, a rental home in Lebanon, and it was my first experience renting, still going to college, waitressing, bartending, doing all of those things that you do to try to get by. Yeah. (laughs) And... I was driving down the road to run some errands and um, possibly go to work. And this little furball golden puppy just kind of fell out of the a ditch into like right in front of my car. And I, oh, I thought gosh. I was going to hit him. And so I stopped <laughs> and I knew, I knew when I moved out that I would get my own dog. I would adopt my own dog at some point and the universe had other plans I did not know that he would find me. <laughs> yeah. And they do that. I, yeah. The connection was made, even though I really didn't know quite yet exactly what connection had been made. So I picked him up because I couldn't just leave him there. And I went back to the house and I started looking up, okay, where, you know, I know I didn't even know what he needed, but I knew he needed something. So I was trying to find the closest vet in the area. I can just move there. So I didn't know anything uh, about what was local. So I found a place. I was like, okay, great. Fantastic. He needs shots and, you know, dewormer and okay, we're going to, we're going to go and get him what he needs. 
So I was driving down the same road, right in that same spot, there were five more. So I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So somebody dumped a litter of Golden Lab puppies Uh, in a ditch. And mm. I'm in my little Nissan Sentra (laughs) trying to get to work and do my thing. And I picked all of them up, put them in the back seat, and drove off because I thought, I'm not... I'm, I can't just leave them here. So uh, I should say before before I left, uh, as I'm trying to put all of these puppies in my car, once I got them in there, I called my mom and that was just, that was my moment. I, I called her and I said, you know, I'm a special ed major, but I've had my God moment and this sounds crazy and you're going to think I'm nuts, but I'm supposed to dedicate my life to rescuing dogs. This and, is what I'm supposed to do. And by the way, mom, you're a grandmother. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you have five grand puppies. Surprise. <laughs> uh, so I, I took them to, there was an animal control or a, a, a vet's office. I walked in and I was like, okay, I found this litter of puppies and I know that they need shots and I don't have a lot of money to do this. So I, I took my electric bill money because I couldn't figure out another way to pay for it at that time. And they said, oh no, if you just go down to the shelter, they will do all the vaccines and everything for free wonderful. You know, I thought this is great. So I drove all the way to the shelter and they, they said, Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. We'll take them. We'll get everything that they need. And I stopped. I thought, no, 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 I don't need you to take them. At that point, I wasn't educated about animal rescue and shelters, but so the stereotype was still there of the shelter is horrible, bad place. And I thought, no, 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 you're not, you're not taking these. That's not what I needed. So I ended up going back and they, they said, Oh, you know, sorry, I thought you were just trying to get rid of them. So I got their shots. I got their dewormer. And then what did I do? You know, I couldn't figure out now, what do I do with these puppies? How do I get them help? I called rescue after rescue and nobody would even call me back. Nobody would return my emails. The shelters were all full with really high euthanasia rate. And I was just feeling very lost in how to do this. And so then I just started thinking bigger picture, how there's so many dogs that are dumped and displaced. How is anybody getting help? So I did ultimately find all of them homes. The one Mac is his name. What the one, the very first golden lab that I found, we definitely had a, a soul connection and I knew immediately he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so yeah. I found all of the other ones homes and he stayed with me and until he was 15 years old. He's that dog for me that went through all the different stages of my life from college, single boyfriends, breakups, jobs, leaving jobs, all the way to marriage, husband and kids. Mm. So he, he changed my life. So I knew when he, you know, when I, when I had him and found the other one's homes, then I thought, okay, I've got some serious self-educating to do (laughs) because that was so hard to find five puppies homes. And I put an ad in the newspaper and on Craigslist, I think. And I basically did all the wrong things in the very beginning because I didn't know the industry. So I decided to start fostering for other organizations. And I spent a few years doing that, trying to learn what rescues were doing and Um, I ended up starting the Nashville chapter of a group called Labs for Rescue with another person who was also a lab lover, just again, to start feeling things out. And I decided I was seeing a lot of the great things about the animal rescue community, but I was also seeing what I considered challenges within groups. 
so I just, I put a goal out there that I wanted to start my own organization by the time I was 25. And I had an opportunity come a little bit before that, where I met somebody named Chris, who was with the labs and was helping me with the chocolate lab that I found that was heartworm positive and had all kinds of issues. And the two of us really just clicked. And I, we ended up co-founding Agape Animal Rescue when I was 23. So I've been very self-taught in the industry, <laughs> mm-hmm. but now things are completely different because of Mac and because of that day where he decided to jump out in front of my car. We still remain a foster network. So we're a foster network all over Middle Tennessee. We operate without a facility, without office spaces. Our key volunteers and the few staff members that we do have work from home offices. We've grown from three foster homes and the first year we saved 19 dogs. Now we're 14 years old, or we turned 14 this year. And we have around 40 foster homes all over Middle Tennessee. And this year we will save 200 dogs. In wow. The year. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, a lot of growth, obviously. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> and we've, overall, we've rescued a little over 1,300 dogs. And all of that I attribute to, to Mac. That was also his purpose. And we were, you know, we were destined to, to meet and to change. He changed my life, but he changed a community. That is a great story. <laughs> wow. There's a lot to it. It didn't just happen. There were all these things. It, it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Right. <laughs> so do you remember at what age when you were living at home with your family and you guys kept bringing these animals home? At what age do you think it clicked then? Or was it just one of those, oh, well, we're the animal family. <laughs> you know, we're Swiss Family Robinson, and this is just what we do. Or was there a, uh, a moment where you're like, oh, I get that. I'm glad we do this. <laughs> no, it didn't click until I think really when I found Mac on the side of the road, because it's for me personally. Like It then became not just my family doing it, it became me doing it. Right. That was, he was my first rescue, not the dog or the cat that my parents are bringing in that are still our family pet. But I don't remember a time ever not having dogs or cats. And that's just always been a part, always been a part of our life on both sides of my family. So my, my family jokes that we have a lot of animal lovers. We come from a long line of animal lovers, but I just got a little bit of an overdose <laughs> of, <laughs> of that gene. <laughs> so I took it a little bit further, but everybody in my family always has rescued dogs. And as you can imagine, as Agape has grown, I have pulled in many family members to foster dogs, to transport, to help pay for vaccines or <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. It's now a family affair. <laughs> yeah. How does a rescue agency work? How does it differ from a shelter or or a veterinarian's office? Like, what did you learn that you didn't know? Like, what do you know now that you didn't know when you you know you first walked into the vet's office and they sent you to the shelter? Right. <laughs> like, what what? I, I guess the question is, what's the difference between a rescue agency, an adoption agency, and a shelter, and all of these other organizations? There are a lot of different rescues and shelters, and I feel that there's a place for all of us in the animal community and all sharing the same goal of saving lives and trying to create these communities where all dogs do have a home and the euthanasia rates at the shelters are dropping. And so I I feel like there are a group of 
people doing things different ways. And that's all important. What's different about agape and how we rescue dogs in the community and a lot of rescues in general, because we're a foster network, we get to take some of the guesswork out for families that are looking to adopt. So if you go to a shelter right now and you see this beautiful husky that you think, oh my gosh, he would be perfect for my house and you bring him home. I'm thinking of a dog specifically that <laughs> that did this. This is an actual uh, story? Yeah, yeah. Change so, the names just to protect the innocent or guilty. Yes, whatever. to protect the canine. <laughs> um, and you think, oh, you know, this dog is going to be perfect. And then what we do is we bring this dog into a foster home and the foster mom leaves for maybe 20 minutes just to run a quick errand and comes back and her entire living room, the couch, the curtains, everything is shredded because no one knew this dog had an extreme case of separation anxiety. So what the foster parents are doing, we're going to the shelters, we're pulling dogs that some of them are pretty normal dogs, but some of them have colorful backgrounds. And we're bringing them in and assessing them to see what their needs are medically or behaviorally. We're getting them what they need. And then we're really able to evaluate them and continue their growth while they're in foster homes to say, okay, this dog needs a family that does or does not have kids, does or does not work in in the home. Or, you know, we can, we can really make a great match because we have learned so much about the dog and what their needs are. We can make a wonderful match for both the family and the dog. And with our process, we do a meet and greet first, then we do a home visit, and then there's an adoption. Over the time that Agape has been here, that's been one of the biggest learning curves. In the beginning, we did a lot of on-site adoptions where you can go to PetSmart and and come in and adopt one of our dogs. And what we found was we were having a higher return rate. And we realized, you know, people are coming in the store, getting really emotional, but they never called husband to see if it was okay that they bring home a dog. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, or in my case, checked with the wife. (laughs) Right. Because I'd I'd come home with all the dude. Right. Because you should always check with the wife before you make decisions like that. Yes. (laughs) And so we were seeing dogs being returned because people were making very emotional decisions without really thinking through a 10, 15 year commitment. So when we changed the process, which was, was early on, we were about a year and a half into it when we decided, okay, we, we need to change this process. Since then, we have maintained over these 14 years a less than 1% post-adoption return rate. Wow. That great ratio. Yes. (laughs) We are very proud of that. And that really does come from, I believe, the matchmaking ability of our our adoption team is just so great at identifying, working with the foster parents, I should say, and identifying what the dog needs and making a good fit with the family. And some families come to us and like maybe we've got a 70-year-old granny that lives in a 700-square-foot studio apartment and she comes to us saying that she would really really like to adopt a great dane and some people come to us and we think hold on <laughs> you have you thought through abc and and once they get through the discussions with our adoption team they realize oh my gosh i wasn't even considering these things about my own life you're right wait a minute i don't need a very high maintenance very large dog when I am not able to keep up the activity that they need in a small yeah. apartment. Yeah. So that's a, 
just another beautiful part of our adoption process that really makes us successful in what we do. Yeah, that that's excellent. I'm I'm giving you a virtual high paw here for that one <laughs> percent ratio. Man, that's that's excellent. So you started with you and Chris, just the two of you. Yep. <laughs> What'd you say? Fourteen years ago? Fifteen? Yeah, we turned fourteen this year in fourteen. June. How quickly did you ramp up your foster network? Like we what kind, ramped of, what up kind of growth? Like, have you been at your current foster network for like the last ten? Or no. <laughs> It's been a process and there's been some ups and downs because the first year rescuing 19 dogs, that was a big learning year. And in the very beginning, some people, some people don't know is that for the first year we also rescued cats. Okay. And we figured out dogs and cats are two different worlds, basically. Yes, they are. (laughs) So our cat team split off and created their own cat rescue and we chose to focus just on dogs. And so it works out very well. We can refer to each other, but we haven't. We have expertise, each of us, in what we do. And so that worked out better. So Agape Animal so, Rescue is technically Agape Dog Rescue. Right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and actually, Agape, I was wondering that. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you. I was wondering that on the uh, drive home tonight. Um, so I'm glad you went ahead and put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Agape means unconditional love in Greek. And that is why the name agape for what we do when trying to figure out what should we call this we were going through what do we feel about this why are we so passionate about this and unconditional love is what kept coming up and so when looking up meanings and different words agape when we saw that that was just perfect yeah well and that's what a dog exudes anyway yeah definitely cats are another issue which we won't get into because <laughs> I, I am definitely a dog person. I like other people's cats. <laughs> yes. I like that other people have cats. Right. <laughs> and I also like that I don't have a cat. There you go. <laughs> My kids, on the other hand, keep hinting at, Daddy, I want a cat. I think that there's something going on about that because my daughters are both, or all of them both, I have three. They have been asking for a kitten and we're in the same boat. We keep saying, you know, guys, we can visit. We can visit some other people's cats. So we've got dogs. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is a dog house. (laughs) It's just because kids want what they don't have or can't have probably. (laughs) Well, and, and in my case, and probably in the case with your kids too is all three of mine have a deep interest in learning about things that they don't know. Yes. Uh, so, so yes, it is. You're like, well, we don't have a cat. Well, let's get a cat. Let's see what that's like. Maybe not. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll introduce you to cats, but having a uh, permanent live in is maybe not on the table. <laughs> Go to PetSmart and play with them. Yes. And <laughs> it helps yeah. get them a cage and hand break. them back. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and let them find a home in a cat home. Right. How many dogs do you currently have adoptable? Right now we have about 35 dogs, which could change by the time we finish our conversation. <laughs> but we average could go around to 34, it could go to 36, or it could be right. 50. Basically. <laughs> All of the above? All of the above, it could completely change because normally we are okay with around 30, 35 dogs in the program. That's a good number for us. But we do end up with situations where we say, yes, we will bring 15 dogs in at one time because there's an urgent situation and we want to help out. So then all of a sudden we have way more dogs (laughs) in the program or we'll have a weekend with a lot of adoptions and then we've got a lull. So it it goes up and down. And that that also kind of goes back to your question about 
the number of foster homes, that also dictates how many dogs we can bring in the program. And we have had that, like I mentioned, the up and down over the years. We built up our program and we're doing really good staying at about 25 foster homes. And then you remember the flood, the big flood that hit our area. What was that 2010 flood? Yes, yeah, 2010. Um, yeah, the 2010 flood. That was the first major event that really affected our organization. And we saw a lot of nonprofits struggling. I mean, a lot of for-profits struggling. There was just, you know, a lot of things happening, but we lost over half of our foster parents immediately when that happened. So we had all these dogs that we had to figure out. Luckily we partnered with different vets offices and different places to uh, my second home and Franklin. They're, they're so great when we need to reach out to them. They, and they helped us through this part as well. We had to put the dogs somewhere to give the families relief because we had some of our fosters, their houses flooded. Yeah. They had to go and help family. They, you know, for whatever reason, that was a shock to our system. So after that, like everybody else in our community rebuilding, we also had to rebuild and, you know, donations stopped, adoptions stopped and the calls for intake tripled. So it was, Hmm. that was hard. That was hard. But then from there, we've been able to pick it back up. And now I would say are at the largest number of fosters that we have had. So this is a great place to be where we can handle 30, 35 dogs at a time and then still be available for emergency situations when they come up. Yeah. So when calls for intakes come up, is that from people who want to surrender their pets because, you know, they're, they're going to be living in an apartment temporarily because their house is flooded and they have to go down to the study, you know, and demold the whole place or, or is it, Hey, I found this dog. It's not mine. I can't keep it, but I don't want to just leave it on the street. Right. Which it's is, all of which is more common, both <laughs> without a state of emergency. Like when we had the flood, the norm, there's really not a norm. It does change. We have, we're partners with a lot of shelters. So we will receive the emails when they make the list of the dogs that are going to be euthanized. And that's heartbreaking because it's impossible for us to save the number, you know, that that's sent our way. We're turning down somewhere around 50, 60, some weeks, a hundred dogs every week. Oh man. That we can't help. So we are having, we do have families that call us. There's this one, gosh, this one intake that I did that's still, you know, some of them are, are what I would consider regular intakes and some of them just damage you <laughs> almost. And there was this one family who called and needed help with their Shizu, this little dog that they had really, really tried to hold on to. And they in no way wanted to give up this dog. They had been foreclosed on and they were staying at hotels and basically trying to stay in different situations where they could keep their dog and ultimately called us for help. And I was in tears with this family on the phone. They met me in a Waffle House parking lot with everything that they owned in their car mm. right there. And they, this man, it just still breaks my heart. He cried the entire time he handed me his dog. And we wanted to help him. And I guaranteed him, you know, this, your dog will be so taken care of. I promise that the moon (laughs) for this dog, you can take that weight off of you know that he's in a good place. And, but you know, families, sometimes they reach a point where, what do you do? They don't know what else to do. 
it's just heartbreaking, but we try to help as many as we can. So we're also getting dogs from families like him. We are having people, we have people call us with dogs that they have found as strays. What we're not equipped to do because we operate without a, without a facility, we're not equipped to go out and pick up strays. So when people call us and say, there's a dog on the interstate, I couldn't catch him. We have to refer them to Metro to animal control, or we will call them because we don't have the means to just go out and pick up strays all the time. So if somebody calls us and they say, Hey, I found this stray, but I can keep him. I will foster him. If you can help me find him a home. Now we're talking. Now we can make a difference. Yeah. Those are completely different scenarios. We're still shocked some days that of the calls that we get. I mean, I not to talk about the horrible side, but there is a, a horrible side to this. I've been on the phone with somebody before yelling at me, asking me why I, I to explain to them we couldn't take their dog that second, that we do have a process. Our intake coordinator can come out and meet the dog and evaluate the dog. And this particular person had let the dog out in a field already and was yelling at me on the phone. If you don't come get him, I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot him now. I'm going to like, it's happening. And I'm on the phone with them and you, Sometimes we're put in situations where we feel like we need crisis management yeah. <laughs> training because it can be so uh, – sometimes people are not stable when they call us and that some major thing has happened and, and we get calls like that. And that's, that is not the norm, but it does happen. Normally, it's the shelters and the owner surrenders that are calling Occasionally we have, there, there are homeless shelters and women shelters that will call us when women are trying to get away or men trying to get away from some sort of spousal abuse situation because a lot of the underground <laughs> homes will not take the dogs. Right. So they'll call us and say, we've got this family at intake. We need to let them and the kids in. We need help with this dog. Right. And One of the things that in talking with some of the shelters like that, what they have said is there are people that will prolong getting out of abusive relationships because they are afraid of what's going to happen to their animal. Oh, man. So you've got actually a a hand in a double rescue. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So we get them. That that happens, too. (laughs) And then, of course, we have the large scale natural disasters or puppy mill busts that we'll jump in and support in any way that we can too. Yeah. What became of the caller who said, if you don't come get this dog, I'm going to shoot it. How did that play out? Unfortunately with that one, I never got resolution, which is probably why it sticks. It still sticks in my head. Um, he ended up hanging up on me yelling because I wouldn't, I, I couldn't figure out, I couldn't even calm him down enough to say, can you please get to animal control? We'll meet you there. I couldn't even get to a solution. Uh, because he was so irate on the phone and ended up wow. hanging up. And I even tried to reach back out and I don't know whatever happened. Um, there was another situation that did end up in a positive resolution where there was a woman who was emotionally unstable and some things that happened in her life, which I don't know what they were, but she was driving down the interstate again, sc- screaming at me. And she was saying that she was about, she was going to throw her chihuahua out the window. If I couldn't take the dog, she was throwing him out the window. She was on the interstate. Now I needed to tell her where to meet me this instant. And if not, that's what she's going to do. 
And I was able to meet her. I was able to calm her down enough on the phone and say, basically, you know, I'm so sorry. I don't know what is happening in your personal life right now. Please know that the dog is separate and has nothing to do with the situation. Please let me help the dog. Don't do anything that you're going to sleep on and tomorrow feel really bad about. Yeah, I uh, speaking of this dog person here, I was driving behind a pickup truck on 440. This was, gosh, this was probably 20 years ago. And out of the blue, I look up and there's a kitten in the road. Oh. I mean, it's just like, you know, big eyed claws out going, oh, just spinning oh, yeah. across the road. And I was like, how in the world did that? It was the first time I'd ever seen this. So, unfortunately, I was in the left lane, which, of course, was the fast lane. Right. Um, and, and I pulled over, and I tried to get this cat, and that thing just froggered across the other, yes. uh, other uh, the opposite direction and ended up, I mean, bless its heart, it was a great frogger player because it made it to the other side. And I'm just looking at it going, what just happened? Because it didn't dart from the ditch. And as I was coming off of this experience, it, it occurred to me that that schmuck in the pickup truck had just tossed it. Oh, gosh. I was like, wow, this is humanity. And I was, you know, I was younger 20s then. So this was my first experience with that. Yeah, that's horrible. Oh, gosh. And see, then you you think, do you want to go? When, in any situation like that, I'm always going, okay, I really want to catch the person that just did that, but I want to help the animal. And yes. so I'm going to go help the animal first, but I really want to chase that other person down and turn them in. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. And I mean, this was even before, I'm going to date myself. This was before cell phones um, <laughs> and definitely before smartphones with cameras everywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw this kitten, just, it was like it was spinning on, I was like Bambi on the ice oh. but on 440 with cars going all around it, everybody swerving. I just instinctively pulled over. So by the time I was even, I wasn't even stopped and that pickup truck was long gone. Yeah. But yeah, that was a it was really strange scenario. <laughs> See, when you think about the dogs that are being dumped and the cats that are being dumped, here's the, the part that you have to latch onto because it's really, even with just sharing some of these stories, you can see where uh, burnout and rescue fatigue and these this is really emotional and can really damage your view of people oh completely yeah <laughs> and because i've had problems with that i mean every everybody at some point has problems with that i've i went to a shelter one time in the very beginning when i was still learning and teaching myself and learning from what other rescues do i went into rutherford county animal control and we had two foster homes open i believe it was two and so i thought okay I'm going to go in here. I'm going to pull two dogs. I went in and I, there were so many dogs and I, I got stuck and I, I, this wasn't my first time bringing dogs in. So it was just, it just all kind of hit me at a, at a strange time, but I was going in there and I was looking at the dogs and it just hit me that I can only save two of you. And I felt like I was saying, no, you're not good enough or no, there's some reason that you don't get to get out of here or it's going to, because of my choice, you're going to die Yeah. and you're not. And I completely lost it and ended up in the parking lot on the phone talking to a family member trying to calm me down because I couldn't stop crying because it was just so overwhelming. And so their compassion fatigue yeah, it's a serious thing. So what I've learned over the years 
to latch onto is when we see these dogs that are dumped and when they come in abused and it takes months, it even, I mean, some, gosh, some, it takes so long to get them where they trust people again to see the adoption announcement come through and to see the families sending us updates saying, this is the best dog I've ever had. And they're sending us pictures of them celebrating with, with their dog birthday parties. And they've got their own little cakes and they've invited all their neighbors over to celebrate Fluffy's birthday. (laughs) And, you know, just to, to see them go from discarded and a throwaway to king or queen of the castle. That's the part that I think washes away the compassion fatigue for me personally. And I think from the team in general, we focus on this happy ending part because that's why we're here. Yeah. And that level of trauma fatigue, if you will, um, is also present in other professions. I've got a a friend of mine from years back who was on the uh, Metro Nashville SWAT team. And uh, I mean, he started off as a police officer and then wanted to go into the special forces. So he went into the, he was on the SWAT team and, um, after a year or two of being in there, he and I were hanging out and he was just like, he, he admitted that he needed to talk to some counselors yes. because he had developed such a crust of jadedness toward humanity yeah. that it was affecting the way he was policing. Wow. And I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, at that time, cops were the good guys, but it yeah. didn't even occur to me that in that line of work, they had to deal with a bunch of bad guys yeah. over and over and over and over again. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine what that's like on uh, on the dog side of things. And, and one is not more intense than the other, but they, they both suck. They, right. Fun fact of the day, the rescue community, any, any sort of work in the animal rescue field, I should say, is in, the last time I checked, is still in the top five for the highest suicide rates. Oh, gosh. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's disturbing, but that's, it's emotional, and that's the truth. And I think people in rescue have to find their happy in order to, to keep going in it. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned the Nashville flood and the rise of intake options, incoming calls for, hey, can you take care of this dog? Um, And recently, you guys were involved with fostering, rescuing a, a group of dogs from Hurricane Harvey. Yes. And I have to confess that when I saw those posts, one of my thoughts was, but what about the owners of these dogs? Yes. So, what if they're looking for their dog? That was a valid thought. That how, was a very how, good thought. How does that work? <laughs> Tell me how that works because I've tried to figure out and I can't. I can help you with Okay, good. <laughs> so that was, gosh, that was so hard to watch. I was, I was sitting on the couch with my husband and we were watching all of the news feed coming in about Hurricane Harvey. And then we started getting information sent to us from like we're we're partners with different national organizations like best friends animal sanctuary and they started sending out pleas and and that goes to all of their internal email all the rescues and all these dogs that were being displaced and I, i told my husband i was like gosh this is this is killing me that we're just sitting here you know i feel like i'm just sitting here doing nothing and i've got to do something 
And so I called a couple people within Agape and just said, hey, so if I had this idea, would you be on board? <laughs> yeah. And So how do you it, feel about taking in 10 dogs temporarily? <laughs> so, right. We, oh, and, oh, and because we don't have a facility, we're going to need to, you know, have somewhere for these dogs to go. We need 20 fosters in the next three days. And, um, oh, how much is this going to cost? Oh, yeah, that's not in the budget. And, <laughs> oh, and we don't have a trailer. So there were a lot of reasons not to even try. <laughs> but, again, I just couldn't sit there and do nothing. And the team, when I reached out to the team, because Agape and this rescue organization that is now in the community is way bigger than Tanya. This is a, a massive team of people and volunteers that are pulling together together to save these lives and make this happen. Everybody was on board. It just started working out. The Girl Scouts of Middle Tennessee let us borrow their trailer. We found a volunteer that had a truck to pull it and it just worked out. And so we packed up and headed that way, not really knowing where we were going. We did know that in talking with best friends, Austin Pets Alive is an organization that we've previously worked with, and they started really uh, pushing the efforts there. They were organizing all the dogs and where they were going, and and so uh, luck, we got lucky that we had an adoptive family that was in Austin, and they were generous enough to let us stay with them to do this. So we, again, stars are all aligning. Right. <laughs> so that was one of my biggest concerns as well. When we got down there, we had talked as a team and said, we cannot bring any dogs back to Tennessee that have a pot the potential of being reunited with the family. That's not an option because we, how you can't fathom doing that. And how are those determined or vetted? So they were separated. They had three different warehouses, if you will, of dogs. And one of them I believe, I mean, it was an astronomical number. I think they had 1,300 dogs in, oh, in one area. And so where we went, they did not have that many. They still had hundreds. There were definitely hundreds. And, and that's so, not counting cats and horses and exactly. every other kind of animal. These are just dogs. These are just the dogs. Wow. And when we pulled up, the very first thing that we saw was this family coming into the, the facility at this empty space that they rented for this. And they were looking for their dog. Their house was gone. Everything was gone. And they were driving shelter to shelter, or I should say dog hotspot, yeah. <laughs> where these dogs were being put, trying desperately to find their dog. They didn't let their dog go. Their dog got, was spooked and got away and they were doing everything they could to try to find their dog. And so what we did was we told them and we, and, and a lot of rescues did this because this was a concern for everybody. We only took dogs that were in the flooded shelters that were already in the shelter to make room for the dogs that were displaced that needed to be reunited. Genius. Great so idea. that was our rule. So we're at, we're there in Austin taking who we're trying to figure out who we're going to take. And we finally picked out a couple dogs because we, we did have to look for dogs that were from shelters. So that eliminated a big group of the dogs that we could even consider rescuing. So we're going through meeting them, trying to figure out, you know, who was already in a shelter, who can we take? And so we start loading and we get a call from one of our partners with best friends who says there's this other shelter there in Polk County, which I had no clue where Polk County, Texas was. And they've been affected by the flood. No rescue has made it to them yet. 
they they said that transports kept trying to make it to them, but they were filling up with dogs from other shelters before they got there. And then they were turning around because they were full. And so we said, you know what? We're going to take the dogs that we have picked out so far. There's a line of rescues in Austin where we're at trying to help. And we're going to turn around. We're going to Polk County, three hours south. And that was almost to Houston. Um, and we're going to take, we're going to go help these people because they are desperate and you know nobody's been able to make it to them. So we get to Polk County and we only have so many spots left, but they were all shelter dogs. So none of them had, they were not getting any of the strays or the owner surrenders because they were in an area that needed help. They weren't in an area where people were going, you know, to take their dogs to get help. So, or from the floods, I should say, they were part of the floods. So we were able to load up as many as we could fit. And so ultimately we did come back with 20 dogs total and we checked microchips. We, we checked everything and did our due diligence to make sure that we did not take any dog back that could potentially be reunited. So we we, did all of that there in Texas before even considering putting them on the truck. Absolutely. Because I was I was so worried that that would happen, especially especially after watching families in tears going down the lines of dogs trying to find their dog. I thought there's we cannot accidentally bring home somebody's dog. <laughs> it's not an option. So we were great at getting all of the foster the shelter dogs and bringing them back. And we sent out a plea for foster parents and foster homes to help these dogs and were overwhelmed by the generosity of our community and people, fosters that maybe hadn't fostered in a while, people that were just thinking about fostering, but had never committed. And so they committed and it was just pretty amazing to be able to help that many dogs at one time from that situation. That's a good plan that, and that completely, answers the question and actually calms what level of anxiety was when I I saw that because I I immediately thought what if I lived in Houston area and my house is underwater and I'm missing my dog I would want to get my dog back like one of the the first things I would want to do after I knew my family was taken care of is all right where's my dog right (laughs) and and I saw those news stories of rescue agencies from across the country going down there and bringing dogs back I was like but wait what if my dog is in there? But I think it makes perfect sense to get the dogs who had already been in shelter so you could clear them out and then make, make some beds available for, exactly. for the new ones. Yeah. Makes total course, sense. 20, 20 dogs felt very minimal <laughs> compared to the need. But if everybody takes 20 dogs, then we make a bigger difference. So we were thankful to be a part, even though we felt like the size of an ant as far as oh, sure. <laughs> our level of contributing there. And we did have two of the 2018 were adopted through Agape's program. Two of them we brought back and transferred to another organization because they had a few spots. And so that we were able to bring in some to help them as well because they didn't have the means to get there. But they had said, if you if you can bring us back two, we can take two. So nice. did. Yeah. And were they like, were they on the way home? Like on your drive route home? So you just drop them off in Arkansas? Yeah. Nice. Well, they were, or, they, or were wherever. Yes. <laughs> they were in Tennessee, but yeah, yeah, it was like, okay, perfect. Well, we can load. Cause we, we, we knew we could bring in the 18. So it's like, all right, let's load up two more. We've got another organization willing to, willing to help. So that's exciting. And we loved that we were able to do that. And the group of people there in Polk County were, they are people that their personalities and their love and commitment and passion 
for the dogs, excuse me, was, it, it was just so, gosh, I can't, I'm not even, the word is not coming to me of how, how passionate these people were and how much they loved and cared for these dogs, even though they had so many that they were putting four dogs in one kennel. And we really formed a great relationship with them. And that is why recently in the past month, we've stayed in touch with them. And they, we found out that a lot of the organizations there have not been able to rebuild. And some of them are not going to rebuild because they are still, they, their shelter was not taken out by the floods all the way. They were okay. Uh, so they're still operating. But what's happened is now the other counties and the areas that do not have options, it's causing an overflow of people coming to Polk County. Right. And so they basically sent out an SOS plea because they're getting so many dogs and so many puppies. And I, I think they had a hundred, it was a hundred puppies and a couple hundred adult dogs all within the past couple months that like the numbers are just astronomical. And so again, we thought, okay, well, we'll do the best that we can <laughs> to help them, even though it feels very minimal based on their need. But we were fortunate enough to find a volunteer team that was willing to bring dogs from Texas all the way to Memphis. So our team just had to travel to Memphis and back. And so we were able to bring in 13 more dogs from that shelter to help them lighten the burden a little bit. So that was another exciting thing. And we called on my second home pet resort in Franklin. They, they're they such great partners with us in emergency situations like this again that we called them and said, okay, well, we've got 13 dogs coming back at about midnight on Saturday night. Do you have anybody that would go in and open up <laughs> for yeah. us? Oh, and we, our vet, we called our veterinarian also and said, so we've got these dogs coming in. Again, super inconvenient Saturday night at midnight and she has a newborn baby who she has to breastfeed every so many hours. Oh my gosh. And she came and bless her. She came and she was like, all right, I've got to, you know, I've got to do all the assessments within this and this. Cause I've got to get back before the baby wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> and there are so many people, volunteers and, and there's just so many animal lovers and people with the agape team and beyond the agape team in middle Tennessee, that are willing to inconvenience them, themselves and their lives so much just to help a dog and to better a dog's life. You know, I always have this moment when we're doing these, the larger rescues or to see the team unloading 20 dogs from the trailer after such a long trip from Texas and here recently, you know, helping unload 13, 13 dogs from the, the other county, that county shelter. It's so humbling to think that because I found a puppy in a ditch. <laughs> right. Somehow all of these people are also saying, I am just as passionate. Essentially this whole operation, everything's honoring Mac and his life by saving all of these other dogs. And I'm always blown away at the number of people that are willing to jump in yeah. and help when this was really something that was an idea on the side of the road in a ditch with puppies. <laughs> a, a spontaneous improv idea. Right. Right. <laughs> I think those are called epiphanies. Yeah, <laughs> that was one heck of an epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about dogs? Why do we respond to them the way we do? There, I, I think the first word that comes to mind that I think of is loyalty. They are so loyal to a fault. They will, they love you unconditionally. They don't talk back. They don't argue. <laughs> um, Mine does. Unless, 
Well, I was just saying, unless it's in the form of... From, from like, time to time, yes. Right. <laughs> but when you're extremely happy, when amazing things are happening in your life, when horrible things are happening in your life, they are there for you. And they are just so loyal and loving to you to a fault. When there's a bad person that abuses them, sometimes that you know they are still loyal to an abuser. And, you know, they have this loyalty about them that really stands out to me when I think of why dogs. I kind of think, why not dogs? <laughs> right. There's why not no, more dogs? Right. Why not more? Let's just, there's a good thing there are county regulations on how many. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's keep them coming. But they're just, they're always there for you. A hundred percent unconditionally. Why not dogs? <laughs> yeah. Well, through you and, um, the work that you and I both did for Nashville Paw Magazine years back. Yeah. Um, I had the distinct privilege of photographing some amazing dogs for several covers of the magazine. Um, and one of those sessions was, I think it was in Goodlessville somewhere. Um, and, and where it is doesn't really matter. But right. <laughs> I, I, I first learned of ARC. And I want to say ARC stands for Animal Rescue Corps. Or, yep. Is that correct? Okay. That was a super cool thing because I was unaware of that organization. And I have since seen several news stories where they have gone and do what I'll call, for the lack of a better term, a raid. Yes. Or a, what, what do they call them? Oh, you could call it a raid. Call it a raid. Extraction. Okay. <laughs> Extraction, yes. What constitutes an ARC raid? Well, the way that we have worked with ARC in the past has been when when they are ready to go on property and do an extraction, they have called the legal side of things where they do the investigating and going to the sheriff, going to the county, and basically take care of all of the legal ins and outs that have to be done to get the warrant to go in and take the dogs. So that part of the puzzle has been done when they call us. So when they call Agape and the, their other rescue partners, they're saying, heads up, we are about to go in and take down this puppy mill, dog fighting ring, uh, just hoarder, regular abuse situation, and we need you on standby. Now, I feel very honored to have been part of the extraction team for a while and um, th then I started having kids and <laughs> something about being pregnant and having babies. Uh, I wasn't able to do that much. Yes. Um, but so being able to go in and see firsthand what it takes when you're on site was definitely a humbling experience for me. And so the ones I, I personally was part of all three, actually a hoarding, a puppy mill and a dog fighting ring. And one of my most proud, my, my proudest moments, I have a picture of this. Occasionally I make it my Facebook profile page, which means I need to cycle that back in. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. There was a pit bull fighting ring that was busted. And I had already gone on a few extractions at this point and, and held it together because th that's a situation where I think it's really easy to break down, but somehow you're able to put on this wall. <laughs> you yeah, this, you've, you've got to go in with game face yeah. and get it done and break down later, I would imagine. Exactly. And I call it work mode. I go into work mode and mm -hmm. try to shut it off emotionally, which is still very you know, not possible. But you f figure out a way to go in 
And the pit fighting ring was the one that uh, when I, I started going through and started seeing all the chemicals and back, uh, shots and needles and supplements and things that they were pumping into these dogs mm. and they're just, they're just laying on the ground. And then you start going further and seeing abuse devices, different devices and things that they were using to make them mean, to hurt them, to shock them, to make them perform the way that they wanted. And there was this one contraption that, and I didn't know what it was. I, Gosh, that doesn't even make sense to me. It was in a tree. It was hanging from a tree. And I, I asked, I said, well, you know, what is that? Not thinking ahead that I really don't want to know the answer. And they're like, don't go there, Tanya. Right. I don't, but it just came out of my mouth and somebody said, you know, oh, that's an elect, uh, 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 it's where they shock them. It's an election. Uh, I'm missing the word. Um, electrocution. Thank you. Yeah. That, that were electrocution <laughs> type station. <laughs> and I had to go, I had to take a minute. I had to pull away, go to the side, have a breakdown, and I wasn't able to make it through game face <laughs> yeah. on that one because the way that it looked, then I visually could picture a dog in this contraption being shocked and being electrocuted and, you know, just rip my heart out. And so I turned that into motivation, like, okay, all right, let's go team. Let's get these dogs out of here. <laughs> right and now. Right now. Yeah. There were so many there. So that was the worst one. And we brought a dog back from that situation, a little puppy um, who was stuck in a rabbit hutch. And the way that this uh, property was found was by a fire. So the county sheriff and different people were coming to put out a fire and found it and oh, called wow. it. And this little, this little girl was stuck in the rabbit hutch and she couldn't get away from the smoke. So she was a baby. She was only... I can't remember, maybe three or four months old. And we brought her and one of the most amazing foster moms. She did everything that she could for her. And she was having, she started having some problems breathing. And we found out later it was because of all of the smoke that she had inhaled. It actually stopped the development of her lungs. So we ended up ordering these breathing treatments and masks from Canada (laughs) because we found this very specific thing for dogs that would possibly work. And unfortunately she ended up passing away and we tried for months to rehabilitate her, but she couldn't get away from it. Her lung, it just stopped her development. And that, I mean, that was awful. That's horrible. You don't want somebody, you don't want a dog that's experienced that, you know, that we, we want that happy ending. That wasn't supposed to be her ending. Yeah. Gosh, but there were other dogs from that situation that that came out and made it and, and found homes. And then the puppy mill and the hoarding ones, those are, they're just as hard for different reasons. Um, there was a Shih Tzu that, that I remember somehow on a cage. They were in cages upon cages. But this Shih Tzu had been in one spot for so long that his hair had grown into the cage and he had to be cut out. Oh, my goodness. The mats were part of the cage. And, you know, so wow. the, the things that even before having the opportunity to do that with the ARC team, you think, oh, puppy mill. Okay, I know what that is. There's a lot of dogs not taken care of. But I didn't realize until stepping foot on some of those properties, the level of abuse and filth. And this is really gross. But I mean, maggots coming out of dogs mm. and wounds and the dogs are inbreeding. And so there's deformities and there's 
just a lot of a lot of medical problems, a lot of behavior problems, some that can be recovered and some that I think there is a point where you you break the spirit and they can't come back. Yeah. That's a hard part to see when you get into those larger those large busts and when they come into the foster homes, the foster parents, man, they're amazing with these dogs. There was a group of them that we brought in. They had never seen light before. Goodness. And so we had, that was a new one. I thought, gosh, I'm not really sure what to do about that. We had to keep the dogs with covers over them in crates and expose them to light little by little. Barely, because their eyes were not used to, their eyes had too much sensitivity to the wow. light. I mean, talk about starting from ground zero. No kidding. <laughs> so, and some of them have never, you know, they, they freak out when you drop a spoon when you're cooking or when you blow your, do use the hair dryer to blow your hair or just normal things, doing the vacuum, which socialized dogs have problems with vacuums. <laughs> yeah. But, but little things, you know, day-to-day life that you think about just taking the trash bag out of the trash can, and they go flying through the room and completely freak out. And so these foster parents are, they are so committed and so talented to, because that's frustrating. It, you know, it can be very frustrating to rehabilitate a dog that comes from what I call a colorful background, abuse, neglect. It can be really hard and you have to have a very high level of patience to get through that. And how fortunate are we that the foster parents say, I got this. I can expose them to new things. I can, I can do this, especially the foster parents that are willing to take the pregnant moms and Mm. the babies and go through all of that. We, at Agape, we have a puppy program specifically for uh, where we have a group of foster parents that have gone through and had a little bit more training in puppies and mamas and birth (laughs) birthing. And so we're fortunate to be able to help in that area because not all rescues are able to help. And in the shelters, it's not a good thing usually for a dog to have the babies in the shelter because of all the germs and disease Mm -hmm. that they're exposed to immediately. So we're excited to have a puppy program where we can bring them in from all of these situations and give them a safe, happy place to have their babies and wean them and find them all forever homes and spay and neuter every one of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's good work. What, what do you think the psychology or psychosis, if you will, about puppy mill operators and hoarders? Is there a common thread? Like what makes them do that? In my personal experience, the different situations that I have been involved in have all been different. And some of them, I've I've often wondered the same question. (laughs) So I have a little bit of speculation and I don't know that there is any real proof behind all of this. But I know from what I have read and and from what I understand, most of the psychologists say that there there has to be, and I believe there has to be some sort of mental illness. Yeah, there's a level of trauma at play there somewhere. Yeah, definitely. But on with the pit bull fighters that with that ring, there's a lot of money wrapped right. up in this. They are making a lot of money. Yes. And so I think that sometimes that is motivating even the breeders. They're selling puppies for $1200, $2000. My um I have 3 dogs right now and Right now, like that's going to change soon. I have three <laughs> It'll change tomorrow. Change <laughs> um, that's not changing. I have th- three daughters, three dogs. That's how we operate in our household. And 
all of my dogs are rescues, of course. One I drove to Alabama for, and the other two I adopted from Agape. <laughs> um, everybody made fun of me when I adopted one from another rescue in Alabama. But he just, I found him and he called me, you know? Yep. We had a connection online. But one of our rescues is a Newfoundland. Oh. He's, 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 he's a huge bear. <laughs> and I must wrestle this Newfie. Yeah. Oh, you would love him. And everybody loves him. His name is Bruce. Robert the Bruce Willis, if you will. And, <laughs> um, Bruce. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> he's he's thinking, where is my mom right now? They're snuggle with me to go to bed. But um, this family, this is a perfect example. This family paid, I believe, over $2,000 for him from a puppy mill. And they decided they were going to get a divorce. Neither one of them wanted him. And I found him on Craigslist where they were giving him away for free. Oh, my. And I never, I have a rule. I never go on Craigslist because I will just stay up and cry and drink wine all night long. (laughs) Well, hey, but hey, bonus, there's wine. (laughs) Bonus. Because that's the only way I can get through those. Well, yes. But there was some reason this day that I I was looking on Craigslist and somehow I got on the pets and I started emailing people that were giving away dogs for free. Please don't do this. Please understand this is where the pit fighters find or dog fighters. They don't even have to just be pit bulls. The dog fighters are finding their bait dogs. This is where, you know, bad people are going for free dogs on Craigslist. Mm -hmm. Please stop. Here are the facts. Look at your local rescues, take them to the shelter, whatever you have to do. And that's how I stumbled upon Bruce. And the person responded out of all these people that I'm feverishly sending warnings to because <laughs> that's what I was doing. Because that that's what you do. Right. <laughs> if it's Those not family. stopping on the side of the road, you're going to stop on your right. uh, cruise of the information highway. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And this family responded and said, oh, I've heard of Agape. I was thinking about calling them. And I said, we will personally foster. Well, that's funny because Agape just called you. Right. I didn't mean to start stalking you, but it just happened that here I am. (laughs) And I sent sent the picture and the ad to my husband and said, so um, how do you feel about a Newfoundland (laughs) coming to stay with us for a little bit? We're going to foster... And, you know, then we joined the failed foster club and those are called adopters. Right. <laughs> so we adopted him. And then our other dog is also a Newfoundland who was left at a vet's office. People bought from a breeder, paid thousands of dollars for said, I can't potty train her. She's a puppy. I can't potty train her. Something's wrong with her. Left her at the vet's office and said, I'm not coming back to get her. Don't know what you're going to do with her. And mm. they called Agape. Everybody happened to know that we love the Newfoundlands. <laughs> So if that ever happens with a Bernese Mountain dog, oh, you call yeah. me. Actually, okay. you call my wife. I will call her. <laughs> <laughs> but the breeders are making so much money off of these dogs that I'm not really sure what mentally happens that takes these people all the way down the road of, okay, now I've got to have dog after dog after dog breeding and, and having all of these puppies and all of these babies. But it just spirals out of control. And then at some point, I think that, that there are people in these situations that really do not think they're doing anything wrong. They don't wow. see the abuse. They don't see how unhealthy it is. I think some of them really think they're taking care of them. That sounds like the hoarders then. Yes. More yeah. so than the fighting ring. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's take a quick break for this episode's nonprofit spotlight, which is actually Agape Animal Rescue. You're hearing Tanya tell stories about what they do, 
Um, but I also want to let you know how you can connect with them online at agaperescue.org. Or you can visit them on Twitter and Instagram. Their handles are at Agape Rescue. And also on Facebook, search for Agape Animal Rescue. Also invite you to visit the show notes to this episode at collectedclan.com slash Tanya Willis. That's Tanya with an A. T-A-N-Y-A Willis for supplemental photos that she's mentioned in this conversation, uh, a long-form video about agape, and lots of other interesting things to see there. Um, okay, I'm going to say a name, and I want you to talk about this name. Okay. Michael Vick. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, like devil, horrible. Um <laughs> gonna go burn should be put in a ring with dogs and used as the bait and yes. i mean <laughs> yes and um and i responded that way when all of those news stories broke yeah it would the the impure thoughts that went through my head yes. about about him and his ilk like literally physically i'm having a response yes this very moment yeah me too have you read his book? No. <laughs> Have you? Yes. Oh, gosh. And I'm going to do something I never thought I would do, especially <laughs> since I'm having this physical response. I'm going to recommend you read his book. Oh, gosh. That's a strong recommendation. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> wow. It's pretty powerful. It's, so, an auto, it's an autobiography okay. that he wrote. Probably had a ghostwriter to clean it up. But that, I mean, that, that's very sure. common. Coach Tony Dungy wrote the foreword. And it is called Finally Free. Now, already I'm mad at the title. <laughs> <laughs> so... You don't get to say that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there okay. is a really remarkable story of redemption in this book. I'm going to consider it. And that's really all I want to say, unless I need to keep cajoling until you say, <laughs> okay, I will read this book. Right. I am at, okay, I will consider it. Okay. Here's an easy way you can consume this book. Uh, if you have a library card, download the Overdrive app from the yeah. App Store. Punch in your library card stuff. The audiobook is available on Overdrive. Oh, great! I'd so be much you better. can listen to it when you drive your you drive your car or, or whatever. Yeah. You don't actually have to stop and dedicate precious time <laughs> to right. hold holding. I mean, I'm a big fan of holding books also, but I get more books read if I can have them read to me into my ears. Me too. <laughs> I read this. I read this book in a day. Wow. Okay. I, I hit play and it went and, and well, and it's that kind of book. I mean, it's, it's storytelling, right? Um, it, it's not like a, a technical how to, or, you know, it's not a science book or it's not a philosophy book. Well, it kind of is, um, <laughs> but it's not anything that's it's not how to, it's not steps one, two, three. Okay. Now I need to take a quiz. It's a story. Okay. And I highly encourage you to read it. 
Well, since it's an audiobook, that's better. So for this, in the spirit of being open-minded, I will take you up on that. Okay, deal. <laughs> and then offline somewhere, because you'll probably finish it long before or, or long after this is released. Yeah, let me know when you've read it. And if I've not released this episode yet, oh yeah, we'll do a follow-up. Okay. And I'll Perfect. tag it on the end, or we'll just do a follow-up anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I recommend it. And that's all I'm going to say at this point. Okay, yeah. Don't ruin it. You can't ruin it. <laughs> I'm going to go into it with angry face and see what happens. <laughs> oh, hey, I did, I did too. I did too. I get it. And, and obviously, the, I mean, those feelings literally are still seated in my physical being because yeah. as soon as I said his name, my heart started going. Yeah. And I, I, my body temperature rose. But I think the book is a, uh, a worthwhile read. Okay. Yeah, because that can't be about the money. He's he's a millionaire. Was I don't know if he still is, or he's he's a pro player. I assume right. I don't really know how much money he had, right. but you know he'll tell you. Yeah, he talks about it. Okay. I want to chat a little bit about the Meet Your Next Running Buddy event yeah. that we're so going excited. to have. I am too. I'm just I'm thrilled to death. Okay, I've had two rescue dogs in my adult life. One, I think you met. Yes. Sunday. Yes. Uh, she left us three years ago. Mm. Uh, she was 14. Oh, we adopted her from Nashville humane association. And this was when they were over on Harding road in that small brick building. Oh yeah. And side note, when I learned that they were going to move, I happened to be driving by the building where we first met Sunday and I noticed that their sign was still on the building, but it was an empty building. I'm like, oh, I've seen the plans for this lot. They're going to tear this building down. I want that sign. <laughs> so I, I messaged them, told them the story. Hey, you know, we met our we met our dog there. We adopted her, blah, 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 blah. I know the building's empty. I know it's going to get torn down. I know you've changed your logo. I know you're on the <laughs> same side of town, like whole nine yards. And I said, all I'm asking is for permission for me to go take your sign. <laughs> awesome <laughs> and and they you know they did their due diligence and they you know they ran it by legal and they had they asked they sent me this super simple form saying i wasn't going to use the logo for you know to start my own humane or whatever i was like no seriously i just want a souvenir i love the sign and it was their old one with the it was like a cat on crutches and a dog in a wheelchair with a oh gosh <laughs> i mean i i love that logo uh, but it's also the f the the background of our first family photo, um, where we had our little poofball Sunday, who was twelve weeks old when we met her, and we had someone oh. take a picture of us in front of that sign. Oh wow! Anyway, that sign is in my garage. <laughs> That's awesome. Still, I've moved it four, five times. Um, I keep saying I'm going to mount it to the inside of our privacy fence, just so it it's you know decorating our backyard. Um, <laughs> yeah, and maybe this summer I will actually do that. I think um, you should. I think so anyway, that needs to be back on your to-do list. <laughs> that was a, uh, a a very long uh, rabbit hole on. Okay, dog number <laughs> one okay. came from, from uh, Humane Society. Um, our current dog, we also adopted. Um, so Sunday left us on January second, twenty fifteen. The following week was one of the darkest weeks of my life. Yeah. with no dog in the house, was driving us nuts. We were expecting our third child due in April. So two kids already. Yeah. 
Lose our fur baby. Got another one on the way. A week in the house without a dog. My wife was the one who went to the rescue agency website <laughs> and sent me a picture of Clementine. I was like, oh, look at her. <laughs> but then she said, but I don't think now is a good time to get a dog. <laughs> right. So a week later, Clementine comes into our house exactly. uh, for, <laughs> for a home, for a two-week home visit and a trial. And this girl was mine as soon as she came in the door. Oh. Yeah. And she <laughs> awesome. is asleep on the floor sitting here next to me. She's my running buddy. She's an, a, an amazing girl. So anyway, all of that to say, um, I wanted, I had often said that whenever we have another dog, I would like to get a running dog. Because Sunday kind of was, but she wasn't like a running dog. Um, okay. Her, her legs were a little stumpy. <laughs> she could run for maybe a mile or two, but I was planning on going longer and I mean, Clementine and I are up to 10, 15 miles when we go out. Wow. Uh, okay. But, and she's just got these long legs and she's just prancing the whole time. Wow. Okay. Unless we're on the trail and it's a, you know, it's, it's deserted and I can drop a leash. And then she just, she just scurries and chases squirrels and all that stuff. And then comes back and, and finds me. So anyway, for, I've had her for three years, was able to run with her for the past two, uh, cause she needed to grow, of course. I, I, we checked Agape site. I promise you we did. I remember you did because you asked about a couple and, yes. or there was, some, I remember comments on Facebook or something like that. I appreciate that you looked, but I understand it's got to be about the right match. Well, so and, and we, we didn't find a love connection at, at the time. Right. However, and, and the funny thing is, is I still feel like you are my rescue organization, even though the two rescues <laughs> we have did not come from Agape. Oh, um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Because I, even to this day, I don't have a relationship, a connection with those other two. I mean, natural, humane to an extent, but not the other. Uh, and right. it's no fault of their own. No, I mean, we just, we got busy. Hey, our son was born two months later. You know, right. So anyway, and you and I go farther back than them anyway. Um, <laughs> so for the last two years, here I am running with Clementine, having the best time she always says yes when we when i grab my shoes she gets excited um and i'll take her on runs with my human running buddies um so i would see the the posts that come across the agape facebook page and i would you know, i would send them out to my running club i'm like running buddy get your running buddy i mean and, this one's, <laughs> and if they're if they're over 12 14 months i'm like this one's running buddy ready running buddy ready. just gotta find that <laughs> um so i think there might have been one home placement from a running club. Oh, well, that's from great. That. Or, or I, I got a message from the uh, potential mom. She said, I'm so glad you sent me a picture of, I think it, her name was Gypsy. And I'm, I'm hoping it actually went through. But it was it was then that I thought, you know what? The adoptable links are good, but mm, there's no puppy breath. There's right. no tail wagging. There's no, <laughs> hi, how are you? <laughs> so I had this idea and your very able events coordinator, Kelly, has come up with a great uh, meet your next running buddy event and I'm so looking forward to it. And I'm oh, just gosh. crossing my fingers that, you know, a few months later I can say, okay, we're going to have a dog run, you know, and everybody get their dogs together and we just, we just go run the town of Nolensville with our dogs on leash <laughs> and just have a, have a good time. I love it. I love it. And we have a handful of perfect running buddies, in my opinion. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kelly has been um, super great to work with. 
she basically put some skin on the skeleton of an idea that I threw her way. <laughs> and um, the events coordinator for our club is, I think she's got two dogs, and one of which is a standard poodle, giant poodle, that they run with. So I'm, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that somebody's going to find a forever running buddy. I love it. I hope so, too. And do you... Do you remember your friend with Gypsy? Was her name Elizabeth? Yes. She Elizabeth and uh, Bart is the dad. They are the ones that adopted Gypsy. Oh, good. <laughs> Yay. I just had to share that. That's good news. Um, because yep. she, she messaged me saying it was in the works, but I didn't hear back from her that it actually did happen. So I, and I, I wondered. Yep. That, so awesome. you've already made... We've already made that love connection, so yeah. we'll make some more with this event. Yes, I figure, you know, while we have three children under eight and um, a 42-pound snuggle muffin, I think, well, I've been told that our house is full. <laughs> I need to um, talk to her about that. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> well, know, that, that's why I said, you know, if you come across here. a Bernie's Mountain Dog... Or and she's actually meant that she would like a smaller dog, like a like a toy do- toy dog. Okay, um, yeah. I'm like, you want a lap dog? I mean, Clementine's a lap dog. She'll <laughs> sit in your lap anytime you want to. Um, she'll take up your lap and your chest, but she'll, she'll just invite her in. Um, but she will get on your lap. Yes. Yes. Well, I, 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 I hope for- at some point we we can be a more than one dog house. But if we can't, that's totally fine. I mean, I get it. So until then, I'm going to continue sharing your posts and continue trying to uh, get some running buddies for my running buddies. No, I think that that's awesome. And I do have to say that I really appreciate that you all adopted while pregnant and did not call and say, I'm pregnant and having a baby. Can you take my dog? See, I love that we are the same. You are my people. (laughs) I'm my people. Because that's two of the dogs that we personally adopted were when I, I was pregnant twice that happened. And people are like, oh my gosh, are you crazy? What are you doing adopting another dog, especially a large? Um, Bruce is around 140 pounds. Oh, <laughs> and that's fantastic. Especially a lot you know, larger dogs with kids. What are you thinking? And because we have so many people call the main line and say, I just found out I'm pregnant. I need to give away my dog or, you know, having a baby next week. Those, those calls can get a little bit exhausting. And so I just, I love it so much when I have friends that also adopted while pregnant, not even thinking (laughs) that you just know it's okay. You know, you just do it because they're all part of the family. And I, just have to say that I really appreciate that about you guys too. <laughs> well, it was, um, thank you for saying that, but it was not the easiest thing <laughs> for yeah. 12 to 15, 16, 18 months, simply because I have eight to five, which actually is a seven to four. So I was up and gone. A lot of Clementine's puppy care, first time yeah. care was done by this pregnant bride of mine. And then the new mom of three and an infant. Yeah, it was it was kind of dark here for a little while, but but I knew I knew I knew. I'm like, okay, this is this is just a temporary storm cloud. This will pass. This will pass. Right. <laughs> this will pass. And it finally did when we were able to sit down one night and watch the movie A Dog's Purpose. Oh, <laughs> yes. They're just oh. amazing creatures. It was named to meet your next running buddy. But in this running group, there actually is a large group of walkers. That's good. My emphasis is on a running buddy because that's what I do. 
what I'm saying is if you come up with a dog that would be great for a walker, like if you have a senior dog, maybe. Yeah. As long as this dog could keep moving, then they would be a great walking buddy. We can we can take that angle too. <laughs> yes. I'm really looking forward to that. If for no other reason than I just want to lay on the ground and have these dogs just pounce right. and get to, <laughs> want to get tackled. My crew usually loves to go. We hike a lot, and nice. one of my Newfoundlands, uh, Bella, is the other one. We have she's Princess Isabella Willis, of um, course. <laughs> and then because I've shared the two names, I just have to share that the Shizu is William Wallace Willis. <laughs> William Wallace. <laughs> So uh, Braveheart theme, that's uh-huh. all my husband's doings. Yeah. <laughs> but Bella loves to hike and go out. And so with the new look, depending on the weather, hopefully I'll, I'll bring you a big Newfoundland to cuddle with too, because that they're just be such awesome. nice colors. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Well, th- this is great, Tanya. I, I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for doing what you do and for your time and uh, excellent conversation tonight. Absolutely. That's what these are about. I love this. And, you know, I can I can talk dog for a long time. So. <laughs> hey, I, as can I. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this, too, and for putting the event together with Kelly and all. This is just bringing light to the Agape Dogs and the Agape program in general. The more people that know about us, the better. The more lives we can save and more fosters we can grow and bring on board. And so this is great for everybody. That is the idea. Yep. There you have it. If you enjoyed this, subscribe and share with your friends. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Collected Clan, leave a review and a rating, and subscribe. See more in the show notes for this episode at www.collectedclan.com slash Tanya Willis. That's Tanya with an A, T-A-N-Y-A, Willis. And a big shout out to my friends Worldwide Groove Corporation for this episode's original music. The song is Mimosa from their album Chilodesiac Lounge Volume 1. Check out more of their music at WorldwideGrooveCorporation.com. Now go be you.